hey, don't start clicking off. I promise we are going to get to the preaching in just a moment. But first, my name is Bobby, and I just wanted to thank you for downloading or streaming the sermon. We love that you're here listening or watching online, but we want you to know that we have a spot saved for you when you're ready to experience FBC in person on a Sunday at one of our three services. Let us know how we can pray for you today by texting prayer FBC to 97000 while watching this message. Stick around after the service because we have some more information about how to get connected. For now, sit back and enjoy today's message. Thank you very much. Boy, we're blessed with a great music staff. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. I'll be honest with you, today's just been kind of weird for me. You know, I woke up this morning as I do on every Sunday, kind of pregame routine for me is to get up early in the morning and and uh, drink my coffee and have my quiet time, and I did a little bit of studying, and I ate a little bit of breakfast, and when I got done, it was 7 a.m., and it's like, well, good night, it's going to be 11 o'clock before we gather together in worship. So, you know, I watched a little David Jeremiah on TV, took some notes, going to preach a little bit of his sermon today, I'm just kidding. Um, but also I watched the Pioneer Woman, and she was doing some Christmas cookies, and what I learned from that, what I learned from that is that I'm going to go to the grocery store and pay $2.69 for some Toll House, and they'll be just as good. <laughs> but it's been just kind of weird this morning. But listen, I'm glad that it's finally 11 o'clock and that we're able to worship. What better place to be? I can't think of a better place to be than right here worshiping with you as we really get into the meat of this Christmas season. You know, throughout this month, we've been doing our sermon series on how Christmas is for you. And instead of really focusing on the nativity, we have really focused on the meaning of Christmas, the gift of salvation from God through Jesus Christ for just regular people. And on the first Sunday, you remember, we looked at John chapter 3, and we saw a religious man named Nicodemus who, though he had dotted all the I's and he crossed all the T's as far as religion was concerned, he was just missing out on a little bit of peace. So he came to Jesus at night, and he struck up a conversation with him. And you remember, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. But he went on to tell him about the gift of Christmas, and he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so we saw that Nicodemus found that the gift of Christmas was Jesus and the peace that comes only through him. The second week, we looked at John chapter 4, and we looked at the Samaritan woman, or maybe you remember the woman at the well. And we were introduced to a woman who had been searching for love and acceptance, and she was searching for it, though, through relationships with men. She'd been married five times. The man she was living with at this point in time, what she wasn't married to, and, well, she was just striking out at every single turn. But do you remember how Jesus came and he met her, and he asked her to give him a drink, and he said to her, if you knew who it was who asked you to give you a drink, if you knew that gift of God, you would have asked and I'd have given you living water. And so we saw that this woman was able to see that Jesus was God's gift for her, that gift of love and acceptance that she'd been looking for for so long. Last week, we turned to the book of Luke, and we were introduced to the tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who had lived his life for the riches of the world. In fact, we made the point that he had turned his back on his family and friends in order to be a tax collector because he thought if he just had more money, then he finally would find that joy that he'd been looking for in life for so long. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes along on the road and calls him down out of the sycamore tree and helps him to see that he is God's gift for him. 
And Zacchaeus finally found that joy that he'd been searching for for so long. And though he had turned his back on his family and friends for riches, he turned his back on the riches for the treasure of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Today, as we begin to wind down, and of course we'll wrap up tomorrow with Christmas Eve, but today as we begin to wind down, we're going to be introduced to a man who you and I would consider absolutely hopeless. He was one of two thieves who would be crucified next to Jesus. And I want you to know that when Luke tells us that these two men were thieves, these weren't petty thieves. They weren't stealing yard ornaments out of somebody's front yard. These were guys who were absolutely ruthless. When they would plunder an individual, they would beat that individual. They would torture that individual and sometimes even kill that person. These were mean, angry, wrathful guys who were filled with rage. Now, the Scripture doesn't tell us this guy's name or his partner's name. They probably had been with Barabbas, who, remember, by this time in the passage, had been released to make room for Jesus on the cross. And so we're not given their names, and we're really not given their backgrounds to help us to understand why they got to where they were in life. But, well, we know enough about them. We know about their character because they are where they are because of what they've done. And we also know that they're just hopeless, It is their very last moments on earth. But we will see that God has a gift just for one of these thieves. Let's look at it together. Luke chapter 23. We'll begin in verse 32. There were also two criminal, two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you were under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, as we have read your word, we pray that you will grant us understanding of it. And for whomever in this room might be feeling a sense of hopelessness, I pray that today you will open our eyes to your true gift of Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen. So there are two criminals, one on either side of Jesus, who were being hanged because of their crimes. And we see in this passage that, well, Jesus is there, and the gift is offered to both, but one accepts that gift. 
What I do want you to know, though, is Luke doesn't tell us, but in another one of the Gospels, the Gospel writer actually tells us that both criminals were actually hurling insults at Jesus. It wasn't just one of them, it was both of them. But something happened to this one particular thief that caused him to have a change of heart. I wish I knew what it was, but I don't. It might have been something that Jesus said. It might have just been the way that he carried himself on the cross. How in the world, what in the world, God used to open up the eyes of the thief, the scripture just doesn't tell us, but we are able to see the effects of that. And so this thief begins to have a change of heart. And as he does, he actually rebukes the other criminal for hurling insults at Jesus and makes some startling decorations. There are several, and I want to give them to you. I want you to look at them with me. Here's the first one. The thief knows that he's a sinner and deserves to die. Look at what he says there in verse 41. Or verse 40. He says, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He knows that he's a sinner and he knows he deserves to die. He knows that he is where he is in life because of the choices that he's made. He's not blaming his parents. He's not playing his grandparents. He's not blaming his environment. He's not even blaming the other thief or maybe even Barabbas who probably was their ringleader. He only blames himself. He says, I am a sinner. You are too, by the way, he says. And I am deserving of what is happening to me. Listen, you and I, as we approach Christmas, we need to understand that we're sinners as well. And we've made bad decisions in our lives. We, we looked at uh, Nicodemus and we talked about how he was brought up in his sinful lifestyle and in that he was brought up in a home that taught him that peace came through religion and we had sympathy for him. And we talked about the Samaritan woman and how she fell into her sinful lifestyle. She didn't, as a kid, decide or, or tell all of her friends that one day she wanted to be married five times. It wasn't what she wanted in life. She kind of stumbled into it. One sinful choice led to another. And we felt sympathy for her. And we also saw Zacchaeus last week, and, and we talked about how he walked into his sin eyes wide open. Who knows how this thief got into the lifestyle that he was in, and who knows how you got into the lifestyle that you may be in today? But the fact of the matter is, whether you're brought up into it, whether you stumble into it, whether you walk eyes wide open into it, you are a sinner. And that's on you. There is no one else to blame. You make the choices that you've made in life. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. Separation from God and separation for all of eternity. This thief, his eyes were opened to the fact that he was a sinner and deserving of death. Second thing, though, that happened to this man. He knew that Jesus was sinless. He knew that Jesus was sinless. Look at what he says again there. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. 
You see, this thief confesses to the fact that he is a sinner, but the one who is being hanged beside him is not. That he did nothing to deserve what was happening to him. By the way, he wasn't the only one who realized that, right? That was Pilate's trouble. That's why Pilate didn't really want him to have have him crucified. The Roman centurion, after the death of Jesus, would say, certainly this was a righteous man. But this thief points out the sinlessness of Jesus and that he is enduring a death that he did not deserve based upon the way that he had lived his life. The Bible writes about Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible also says... Christ also has suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Third thing that I want you to see, though, this man also realizes that Jesus is the king. He realizes that Jesus is the king. Think about what's happening at this moment. The religious leaders are hurling insults at him. This man says he's a king. If he really is a king, get him to call down an angel and save him. The soldiers had been mocking him as a king. Remember, they put the crown of thorns around his head. They put the scepter in his hand, the purple robe on his back, and they mocked him as they pretended to bow down before him. There is that inscription, this is the king of the Jews. One of the other gospel writers says that the religious leaders complained to Pilate for having that inscription over him. They didn't want it to say, this is the king of the Jews. They wanted it to say, he says he's the king of the Jews. Because they didn't believe that he really was the king. But this thief, somehow, some way, he absolutely does believe that Jesus is the king of a kingdom. He realizes that Jesus wasn't just a normal man. He realizes that his sinlessness wasn't just because he got lucky. He realizes that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that he had stepped down from his heavenly kingdom and come to the earth and was living among men and now was dying in the midst of criminals. The eyes of this thief were open to the truth of the identity of Jesus and he confesses that to him. But here's the fourth thing that he understands, and this is really, really important. The thief knows that Jesus would see the crucifixion all the way through. That's long. Sorry, let me say it again. The thief knew that Jesus would see the crucifixion all the way through. Here's what I mean by that. Remember, if you look back, you can see it there for yourself. Verse 35, the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. Verse 37, the soldiers, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself, one of the criminals. If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. This thief realizes that no how, no way was Jesus going to do that. He knew that Jesus had the power to save himself, but he knew that Jesus wasn't going to use it. 
He knew that Jesus was going to follow the crucifixion all the way through because somehow, some way, this thief realized that Jesus had come just for that purpose. He knew he wasn't going to save himself. And by the way, let me just let you know, the worst thing Jesus could possibly have done on that particular day was to save himself. Because if Jesus would have saved himself, you never would have had the opportunity to be saved. Jesus came in order to die in our place. He came to be the Lamb of God for us. He came to be our substitute. He came to be separated from God so that you and I never have to be separated from Him again. And Jesus was going to see that crucifixion all the way through, even as those below the cross were telling Him to save Himself. The thief knew there was no way He was going to do that. Here's the next thing, though, that he knew. The thief also realized that Jesus would conquer death. He realized that he would conquer death. Isn't it amazing that this thief becomes a theologian, like, all within a minute, right? I mean, this hopeless guy who's lived his life running away from God and and persecuting and torturing people, all of a sudden, he becomes Billy Graham, right? It's an amazing thing. But look at what he says there. He says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So again, he realizes that he's a king of a kingdom. He realizes that he's going to follow through with the crucifixion. But he also realizes that he's going to be resurrected, doesn't he? That's why he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And listen, the resurrection is so important, isn't it? Because if Jesus had never been resurrected, we would still be dead in our sins. This thief, somehow, some way, by a miracle of God, he recognized it. He knew that he was a sinner and he deserved to die. He knew that Jesus was sinless. He knew that Jesus really was the king. He knew that Jesus would follow the crucifixion all the way through. No way he was coming down from that cross. But he also knew that Jesus would conquer death. And then here's the final thing that I want you to see. The thief knew that Jesus was his only hope. And that's where we see In verse 42, when he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Friends, this is what the gift of Christmas is all about. Because you and I, like the thief on a cross, you and I, like Nicodemus, you and I, like the Samaritan woman, You and I, like Zacchaeus, are hopeless without God. Because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and because the wages of sin is death, you and I have chosen sin. Again, whether we were brought up into it, whether we stumbled into it, or we walked into it with eyes wide open, you and I have chosen that path. And our sin has led to a place of brokenness 
where in our spiritual death, not knowing any better, we have tried to figure life out on our own. We have tried to figure it out through being religious. We've tried to figure it out through relationships. We've tried to figure it out through riches. We've tried to figure it out just by being mad, thinking that if we were full of wrath and rage, that it would make everything better and peace would finally come. And None of it has worked. And so as a result, we without God were without peace. And we were without true love and acceptance. And we were without joy. And we were without hope. But the gift of Christmas is that God loves you. God loves you so much that he couldn't stand for you to be separated from him. And even though he knows everything about you, every choice you've ever made, and just how hopeless your situation really is, God came down to the earth in the form of Jesus, was born as a baby, was brought up, lived absolutely without sin, and went intently to the cross of Calvary. And there was no way he was going to come down from that cross, even though he had the power to do so. Because he came there for you. And that gift for you was more important than anything else. And so he came to die and he conquered death by rising again on the third day. And the gift of Christmas is that salvation is offered to you through Jesus if you will reach out and receive that gift. Remember, there were two people that were hanging beside Jesus. And that gift was available to both. One received that gift, and the message Jesus had for him was, today you will be with me in paradise. The other, Scripture just doesn't say, does it? So what about you? Have you received God's gift of Christmas? You know, the one thing that this passage teaches us It's not only the gift of Christmas, but the passage teaches us that in our times of hopelessness, hope can be found. Because at the end of the day, hopeless situations are the birthplaces of miracles. Does your life seem hopeless? Do the things in your world seem hopeless? Hope is found in Jesus. Will you receive his incredible gift? Pray with me. Our Father, as we bow before you this morning here at the conclusion of our time, we thank you so much for allowing us to see a very simple yet profound message from your word, for allowing us to see clearly your gift of Christmas, for helping us to see a man who was hopeless as hopeless could possibly be find hope because of you. Father, I pray that even this morning you have miraculously opened our eyes to the truth of your incredible gift. And I pray that as we come to this moment of invitation that you will help us to actually receive that gift that you offer us. 
Help us to take that step of confessing you as the sinless Savior, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and reaching out to you as our only hope. Help us, O oh God, to do that this morning. For it's in your perfect name, in your wonderful name, and your miraculous name, and your powerful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for watching or listening to this message. We want you to know that for us, church is so much more than just a sermon or a Sunday service. If you're new with us today, we want you to know that there's a place perfect for you at FBC. We have a simple way for you to get connected today. Text the phrase Connect FBC to 97000 and complete the digital connect card with as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. Again, thank you for being here today and we want you to know that God is for you, God is for the church, and that God is for Starkville.